Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi everyone, welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. This is your extra show uh, for the week as we are looking to preview this weekend's game on Saturday afternoon against Kilmarnock at Ibrox. I'm Cami Bell, your host as always, and joining me this week is my fun friend, Mr Colin McMillan. Colin, how are you this week, my friend? Hi Cami, I'm good. I am glad it's Thursday because these midweeks without a Rangers game do drag on a bit, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah, it feels like um, a year. Um, since Rangers last played and it's quite fortunate because when I was watching that game against Hamilton Ackies I was uh, getting so distraught I was like I hope we never play like this again so um, <laughs> yes we'll come on to that in just a moment Colin before we um, we get into kind of the, the main Rangers related news we, we have to discuss um, this afternoon's report which came out from the SFA uh, regarding um, the historical child sex abuse uh, investigations that it's been um, at task to report Five years ago, um, the the outcome was produced uh, earlier on this afternoon, um, and there's no getting away from this. I can't, you know, and I certainly wouldn't make light of it. There is no way for us to be able to try and talk about this in any other manner, and other than just very simply being able to try and lay out the kind of cold bare facts of it. The report is very disturbing. Um, I think it's fair to say it's it's very lengthy, uh, nearly two hundred pages in terms of its entire context. Um, there's no easy way to be able to try and, you know, cover what's what's happened with this in terms of the uh, various different failures, and that's the best thing that I can really call it, uh, that has happened systemically throughout Scottish football for the last 50 years. Um, there has been several clubs named um, in, in all manners of, of divisions, uh, and, and also um, whether professional, semi-professional, amateur, etc., um, there is a lot of detail within this, quite a lot of harrowing accounts from the victims. Uh, Rangers are mentioned in it as part of that, so Hibs, Celtic, Partick Thistle and lots of other clubs, you know, as, as I could have mentioned beforehand. Um, I'm glad the report is now 
concluded. Um, as I say, it has been been quite long in terms of being able to try and come out. Um, Colin, the, I think the, the, the easiest way I can be able to try and say this is that um, it's a really, really horrible, horrible set of circumstances which have happened. There have been failures across a number of clubs, across a number of situations, across a number of victims. Um, my heart breaks for them and the fact that many, a great deal, had to take decades to be able to find the courage to talk about this. It, it has ruined lives, there is no doubt about that. Um, there are not enough people in jail for it, in my, my personal opinion. Um, the, the thing that we have to take forward from this, or the, the, the things that we have to be able to try and focus on is, we need to apologise for letting these young children down. We need to take accountability where there has to be ownership, we have to to, to put ourselves front and centre of that. Um, we have to make sure that the victims um, are catered for, and if that encourages others to come forward who haven't been able to share their story, then to do so, because it takes an incredible amount of strength to do so. Uh, and my hope is that now they feel that something has finally happened, that that gives them that aforementioned strength and courage. But the biggest thing for me, Colin, is that we now have to use this as a guidance for how to never, ever allow it to happen again. And whilst I'm comfortable that, you know, a, a great deal across all sporting institutions, uh, not just football, um, but across all, all sporting practices against all sporting teams, institutions, clubs, however you want to call it, child safety has to be an absolute priority. Um, I'm a referee, as you know, part of my qualification was to go through a child safety course to make sure that we fully understand the rules and, and, and the expectations set upon us when dealing with children, you know, vulnerable young adults, um, that, we, that we never, ever, ever hear of any such repeat of this type of thing. It's, it's so harrowing, but it's the lessons for us is to do it better and to protect children uh, taking part in a sport they love. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with any of that, Cammy. Um, the report in itself thinks 192 pages, and I just want to put it out there that I'm no expert on this type of report uh, or some of the language used in it or anything like that, but I've skimmed through it, um, and it is quite harrowing. It's horrible, the stuff that you're reading about, and it does go into detail. People are telling their stories through this report. I believe they spoke to 33 or 34 victims, um, and the sad thing is that's, that that's not all the victims, there's far, far more than that that haven't come out yet, haven't spoken and they are the priority, these victims are the most important thing in this whole case it's not the, any football club trying to save face or avoid being disgraced or being disgraced, that's not the main thing here for me the main thing here is these victims getting this out in the open and hopefully making steps to move on from it um, you alluded to um, a, a lot of the abusers have got away with it, not many of them went to jail, not enough of them went to jail Unfortunately, some of them are dead and they're never going to really get punished for their crimes. But the sadder thing is that some of the victims are dead as well and they've died with this hanging over them and never really getting any any um, relief or any anything actually come of it or happen. Um, one of the things I read today in the report about the victims and what some of them have been through is just how big an impact this has on people's lives. Um, it's easy just to think about this happening to somebody and thinking about how awful that must be and what impact it has on them. But when you read about what happened to just one victim in terms of it led to him having disruptive behaviour issues, drug issues, relationship problems, a chaotic lifestyle, serious mental health issues, hospitalisations, 
difficulty making or keeping male friendships and eventual suicide attempts. That's how hard hit and that's how impactful this was to these poor people. And hopefully now with this report coming out, we can start to move on from it. We can start to get the apologies and get the help that these people need. And hopefully it also provides the impetus for people that haven't maybe come out yet and haven't told their story to turn around and tell somebody. It doesn't have to be publicly, but just speak out and tell somebody and feel they're able to do that because that is the main, main thing here. It's an awful, awful period in the history of Scottish football. And it's terrible, really, really bad. And I'm glad that we can now look at the practices that I believe all clubs do, all, all age groups now in 2021. And I don't believe this would happen again. I don't think it would be allowed to. Certainly not to the extent that it happened. You're always going to get a, a one bad apple that might kind of creep through the cracks, so to speak. But you won't ever get the systematic abuse that was going on 30, 40 years ago, thank goodness. You mentioned being a referee and the, the checks that you've done. I've did some community stuff through my work as well where um, we've taken some uh, kids from local poverty um, areas to like pantomimes and things like that at Christmas time and stuff like that. And the checks we had to do just to do that, to organise getting a bus and putting them on it basically, it shows you how serious it is and how hard it is to get in contact with children now. And that's how it should be. So hopefully it's never going to happen again but it doesn't mean we can airbrush what happened and it does have to be dealt with and treated properly. And an apology is just the start, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you know, we, we, you have to take, the clubs have to take responsibility and, you know, it's, it's about being able to make sure that um, those clubs and the, the opportunity they afford is to be able to go out to those victims and, and, and again, like you say, open the, the door to them in terms of being able to try and do what they can for them to, to support them accordingly and, uh, again, like I say, take the accountability um, and my hope is that that is going to happen um, for all clubs and uh, as I say, that's um, one small thing that we can do to be able to try and make up these victims. There's no easy way to kind of move on from that call and that we can we can really try and do, but we'll, we'll try and push through to be able to try and talk about some of the kind of more update, up-to-date uh, stories involving Rangers. Um, and a piece of news which is broken um, across the last few days is that Kamar Ruth's um, notice of complaint uh, and his citation has been upheld. Therefore, he has now been given a two-game ban. Uh, Rangers did appeal their decision. Um, however, the appeals panel upheld the original uh, decision, which was a two-game ban, which now means that he will miss... Uh, Saturday's game against Kilmarnock um, and also there against Dundee United um, obviously doesn't impact the Europa League um, Colin I had said you know when we were doing our you know the, the kind of the, the fallout from the, the, the game and the tackle that I felt it was it was a red card I, I, I know that people disagreed with that and it looks like he's shielding the ball uh, without wanting to kind of replay the whole incident all over again I think the challenge here for us is not necessarily around uh, the outcome. It's how the SFA are looking to be able to try and and show that we're not re-refereeing games, which I think it's it's shown that it is. We're starting to devolve, in my opinion, into a, a kind of state of play where we are questioning all of the decisions that happen in all games. Celtic uh, played St Mirren last night. There was a question around the penalty that was in there. And Rangers fans, I think, rightly now, because it feels like it's us that's being punished for it. Now, um, I'm starting to say, right, so what's happening there? What's wrong with that tackle? Why is that a penalty? And Rangers have come out, they've responded, uh, and, you know, to the to the, the fact that the original decision was upheld um, and reiterated the need for consistency. Um, I think a clarification in the process uh, is 
fundamentally required to be able to try and show as to why we aren't basically cutting the legs out from under referees by saying, well, it doesn't matter if you make a mistake uh, because we'll make sure that, you know, clubs get punished for it anyway. Um, I do feel that there is a significant flavour for this to happen with Rangers and specific players. Um, I'm, I'm not comfortable at all that there isn't a degree of bias being able to try and put within this. I need to know who's involved within the process and the well, the decision-making process as well in terms of what's happened with that because at time of recording, we still haven't heard anything about a replacement compliance officer now that Claire White has left the post. Um, it's disappointing. It's farcical. It needs an overhaul. And there's a part of me that thinks that, you know, clubs can't just simply turn a blind eye to this because eventually it will probably happen to them as well. Yeah, it definitely will. Um, I'm not someone that likes to talk about bias or talk about us being hard done to or us getting it worse than anybody else. But th- th- if you look at the number of cases that we've had called up to the compliance office, it dwarfs any other club. So th- you can clearly see that for some reason or another, we are having more cases with the compliance officer than anybody else. And for the club that's probably got the lowest yellow and red cards rate in the league, it doesn't compute, it doesn't add up that the two things should go hand in hand. Um, it's it's a mess. They are refereeing games, but they're doing it in such a way that all that's happened is the players getting the punishment down the line. That game that you're refereeing doesn't change. That team that should have had a player sent off doesn't get that advantage back, or that team that had the player sent off doesn't get them back and get to try and do better in that game than they did with 10 men. It's a mess. Um, I'm not against the idea in principle of a compliance officer or referring to a panel at the weekend. But what my issue we have is the consistency matter here and just how the lack of knowledge and the lack of how the process works and why it works and when it works. For me, the easy solution for this is to have a panel every week that's set on a Monday and they review each game from the weekend. They don't review the Sky game. They don't review what got the most time on sports scene. They watch the 90 minutes of each game and if they think there's something to be discussed in that game, they make a decision there and then. And that happens every week, regardless of whether there's a upcry in the media or an upcry online or anywhere else about something that's happened in the game or not. It's just somebody's job now, every Monday, is to review the games. Um, I don't need to know necessarily who these people are. I don't really care. I just need to know that that happens. It's done for every game. And on a Monday at five o'clock, there's a press announcement each week telling you any subsequent action off the back of the weekend. I think that would massively help because then it kind of gets rid of the whole conversation and debate around will this get assessed by them? Will this get talked about? Are they going to look at this? Are they not going to look at that? You just know that on a Monday night you would know what's happened and you move on from it. And you don't have your talking about something that happened two or three games ago still on this show or anywhere else. Um, That's probably the best way we can deal with this and the best thing we can move to. We don't have VAR which wouldn't help us admittedly for tackles and stuff like that anyway, but that's a separate conversation, but if we can't afford VAR, surely we can afford five, six people to sit and watch a game back on a Monday and at least have that level of transparency and that report comes out on a Monday. We know the decision and we move on from it rather than just the whole ambiguity that does lead to finger pointing, it does lead to chips on shoulders and it just leads to the game being held in poor regard by a lot of people. Um, I don't want to be somebody that really dislikes my football authority and dislikes the SFA and feels they're against us. I don't want that at all. I'd love to feel we're just on a level playing ground and if we're good enough to win games and we behave, then we will and we won't ever get punished. At the minute, it's hard to feel that way. And 
we need to move on from it and we need a better process than this because it's an absolute mess and it's not benefiting anybody really apart from one club at the minute. Listen, I, I, I love hating the SFA. It's, you know, it's why <laughs> yeah, I like, up in the morning. Do you know what I mean? They deserve absolutely it, dis- Cammy, but I, I wish they didn't. Them. Jump, jump on over to the dark side. It's it's great and we've got loads of room over here. Um, <laughs> listen, you know what? You're, you're totally right. And I think that I'm, I'm not saying that necessarily, necessarily that it should be easier or should be making it easier for TV broadcasters, whether that's Sky or Sports Scene or whoever it happens to be showing a particular game, to say, right, well, we'll talk specifically about a particular incident because we know it's going to be a hot topic for the review panel. It should be the case of, right, well, the review panel will pick it up if it's necessary. We don't need to be able to try and highlight it as much as it is. I, I, I think I probably feel a lot of, you know, what Rangers fans are saying at the moment, which is, it's trial by sports scene. I don't know how we've moved away from that because that's what it feels like. And as I say, I, I, I know that the club have responded. I know that the club are keen to be able to try and see that changed. Uh, my hope is that people are smart enough, clubs are smart enough to realise that eventually it's going to touch everybody. Um, and if a system is broken, just because a system is broken but hasn't impacted you yet, it just means it's going to happen at some point further down the line. Um, and I think Rangers are rightly pissed off that it seems very, very easy to be able to try and do that to our club. And by and large, that's that's what's happening because, you know, when we talk about a significant points margin, when we talk about, you know, favourites to win the league, et cetera, et cetera, um, it's easy to take a dig at us because, you know, we, are, we have got a significant advantage. That doesn't mean that it's right. So... Again, like you say, we'll have to see what happens in, in terms of the next steps. Um, some more news, which uh, which came out of the club this week, Colin, um, and, and some good news, uh, just to lighten the tone of, of, of this week's extra, is that uh, MyJers is close to hitting a membership record of 30,000 uh, MyJers members. Um, I was fortunate enough uh, to be part of a webinar uh, with club captain James Tavernier, myself and Adam Thornton of our Heart and Hand Parish. Uh, went into it, this was... Uh, an exclusive session that was set up for MyJR's members um, where Tav sat down and he was given all manners of questions that were submitted by those in attendance, um, some as young as six years old. Uh, it was a fantastic session. Here's a little segment from Adam and I as we caught up after we just finished. So folks, just as I mentioned there uh, at the top of the introduction, uh, Mr Thornton and myself are just off of uh, a MyJR's um, session with club captain James Tavernier. Um, Adam, uh, a session with James Tavernier. I didn't know Christmas could happen for you in February, but it just has. Oh, absolutely lovely. So close to Valentine's Day as well. What a nice little treat for me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So this was for about 150 MyJers members uh, and the club had arranged a session uh, with Tav, taking some time out of his, his own time because uh, he, he did this around about tea time so that everyone could take part. Um, and it was a bit of an open forum, really. Nick Thompson from the club, who you'll all know from doing all his excellent work in interviews, uh, was acting as a bit of a moderator and putting some stuff across to, to, to Tav as the questions were either already sent through or we're coming through as part of the chat. Adam, this is really just a, a, a focus that we can put on for the promotion of MyJers. We have obviously just not long announced that um, it has hit a magnificent figure of 30,000 uh, members. Um, I think just it's been a really challenging year for the launch of a scheme that's really about fan involvement when fans can't even go to games. So I think a good opportunity to be able to show where we can think creatively about getting... Uh, the fans involved, a really healthy number, like you say, you know, well over, um, you know, I think about 150, uh, 160 fans took part. 
Um, and although not able to get through everyone's questions, obviously, um, it's a step in the direction of, you know, thinking about different ways about how we can uh, build that connection between the players and, and the fans as well. No, definitely. I think being able to submit the questions be, beforehand is is really good. And for younger fans, hearing hearing your question being being read out and, and to have answer on the question um, is going to be pretty special for them. It was pretty special for me as well, to be honest. So I can imagine how, how they're feeling. But yeah, it's a really good uh, engagement piece, as you said, my dears. Is going from strength to strength when really it's it's a benefit that we're not really seeing um until we get back into the into the ground, I guess. So it's testament to the fans that they're supporting it and continuing to support it in numbers and it's good that we are uh, getting this little bit back and having this this player interaction. I think that's really, really good to see. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, as we've we've mentioned uh, within recent, some of the, the kind of recent conversations, both here in Heart and Hand and also uh, from some of the communications coming out from Rangers, there's a direct involvement. Uh, with the first team um, in terms of that, my Jair's money is being put towards first team funds, operational costs, um, looking to be able to try and, and, and put that money directly into what you see on the pitch. Um, I thought Tab was really good in terms of some of his answers. He, he, he quite clearly, the thing with these kind of things as well, folks, is that although, you know, you can put in the questions and, and Nick will obviously go through them and there's a big variety of them. There was, there was, uh, I think, kids as young as six asking questions, which were quite challenging for Tab to come out with. Uh, no one would have known that he probably would have been a, t- a truck driver had he not been a professional footballer and stuff. Um but it's great for for an opportunity, Adam, for the uh, for for young and old to be able to put in their questions. And I think you know, Tav looked really engaged at the whole session. I thought he was really bought into it. I think he actually really enjoyed it by the end. Yeah, it was good. There was a good range of questions. Obviously, as you mentioned, some from the the younger fans. There were a few questions um, that I liked. Was his his hero grown up was was Lucas Radaby, uh Leeds, which was a. It's, I guess quite an obvious one when you when you know he's a Leeds fan and he's he's obviously a defender, but he did say he was a he wanted to be a striker when he was growing up. So even having Radaby as his as his hero was interesting, and I really enjoyed the what's your favourite goal and then what's your favourite team goal, and I liked that both of them were were one of his, um, which I think <laughs> yeah. the, the right level of hubris. The, the favourite goal was obviously the, the Dundee United free kick, and then the the team goal was the Galatasaray goal, which I think was. A brilliant team goal, and he talked us through that um, as well, which which was good. So I was really happy that uh, really happy that he said two goals that were his. I thought that was, yeah, as I said, the, the right level of hubris. Yeah, and um, some behind the scenes info as well when he he, he talks about, uh, and I think if anyone's ever seen the training pictures uh, when they ever see them on the gallery on the, the Rangers site, Alfredo Morelos is an absolute pest in training. Apparently, uh, throwing cream over him, throwing. Uh, ice over him and all of that kind of thing. He said that one of the questions was, who would you like to be on a desert island with? And he said Connor Goldson, because Connor's quite smart and they could talk about it a lot. And he, he had to think about it. And I did enjoy Nick kind of said to him, who would you least like? And he immediately said Alfredo. <laughs> so you can probably understand, you know, how that, <laughs> how, how Alfredo likes to put himself about, I think, as well. Um, Adam, one thing which I think was really good within that as well is that it was giving you a bit of that kind of behind the scenes access and stuff as well. I think it'll be great to be able to try and see if we can do future sessions like this, um, because I think we've got a lot of characters within the dressing room. Um, there was some some good chat around... Uh, the variety of the boys, we, we listen to, you know, the different musical tastes, different competitive natures within some of the players, some of the things that we can get a bit of a glimpse into, but uh, sessions like these provide that bit of that context as well. I think it's great. So um, I definitely think future sessions would be good. Personally, I would I would definitely want to attend the Alan McGregor one because, um, like I say, I think he would answer these questions very honestly, just as he did last weekend. 
I think most of those McGregor sessions would probably need to be a lot later at night in terms of the, the watershed. <laughs> but yeah, it's good. It gives you an insight. Obviously, you get the 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 younger fans being able to ask their questions, which which is quite good. But then you also get um, some other questions that you maybe wouldn't wouldn't hear in the the media or even the the club media as well. It's maybe just slightly thinking outside the box in terms of questions. So it's good to get that wee bit of insight from them that you obviously we hear from them quite a lot in terms of press conferences etc. But it's more focused on games. Uh, what's the, the next game? All that. Yeah, so as I say, a great wee session um, and the club will be doing further kind of promotion of that as well. Um, hopefully we get to hear some segments from it and stuff as uh, as, as the, the club are able to try and bring it out. Um, and absolutely think it's going to be great to be able to see and hear a bit more and have that kind of closeness to the players. Um, and I think, as I say, Tab took a lot from the session as well. That's, that was my kind of read on it. So, uh, looking forward to some more. Adam, thank you for, for spending a bit of time with us now and thank you for uh, joining me very briefly on Extra. No worries, thank you. So Colin, uh, an interesting point there. I think that Adam highlighted that um, Tab's favourite goal uh, includes himself and his favourite team goal includes himself uh, when he talked about the team goal versus Galatasaray. He, um, he's brimming with confidence and, and I loved yesterday's session. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. My Jers has, has done really well and the uptake for it has been phenomenal. That money goes directly towards the, the, the first team. It helps us buy players. Um, it helps us improve first team operations. It's all focused on what you then see on the, 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 the pitch. Um, and I, I think that the guys behind uh, My Jers working at the club have had an incredibly challenging year in terms of if you were to launch a, uh, a programme which includes and proactively wants to, to bring uh, closeness with fans, how you do that in a global pandemic has, has severely impacted it. Uh, but the webinar that, that Adam and I were fortunate enough to attend um, last night was was really, really good. And just a, a fairly innovative idea and really, really um, brilliant to see loads of questions coming in, as I say, from some as people, fans as young as six years old. Yeah, I think my has done a great job in very difficult circumstances. I think it's remarkable that they're chapping at the door of 30,000 members now. Um, I would love to know how many members they've had since the season started and it was looking like we weren't going to get to Ibrox because that's even more impressive for me. The number of people have signed up to a scheme which is largely a ticket scheme in a lot of ways when they know that they're not going to get any tickets and there's not going to be any games to go to. Um, I think we knew from a very early stage in this season that we might get to Ibrox, but we're not getting to away games at all this season, and people are still paying £50 a pop to get into this scheme. Um, I think it's remarkable. And some of the stuff they've done to add extra value, when that's not been a thing, has been great. The Callum, the boy that sits next to me at the game, he won the competition a couple of months ago to go to Ibrox and recreate uh, Kemar Roof's goal uh, from his own half on the Ibrox pitch. Um, him and two other MyJers members got to go on, they got the full training kit, the full gear, they got to get ready in the dressing room, go down the tunnel, go on the pitch and they were coached on how to score from their own halfway line. It was, a, that's that's a, that's a once in a lifetime chance to do that, to stand on that pitch and then kick a ball on it. It's just amazing and that's something he got through being a MyJers member. And there's been loads of things like that, um, meeting you had with Tav online, there's been other various MyJers focus groups and seminars throughout the season. I think the emails are really good content as well in terms of keeping you up to date, competitions, special offers, all the sort of stuff that comes with it. I think they're doing a great job, like I say, under difficult circumstances. And 
I'm looking forward to even more next season with hopefully the, the added value of the tickets and all the drama and the fun that will come with that as well. So, yeah, it's in a great place and it's only going to get stronger when more people join when they realise that they need it for these tickets. Yep, absolutely uh, absolutely right. And it will be interesting, as you say, to see as to how it continues to develop. But well done to the club for, as I say, having to think really creatively and think outside the box for it. Um, and again, please, you know, again, I can only encourage you to be able to try and sign up for it because it goes directly into in, into the first team and, and the success that we're all looking to be able to try and get out of the back of it as well. So um, really, really important for us to be able to try and emphasise as to how much uh, an important role the fans can play within that as well. It does go a long way. Um, and again, the club are, are really looking forward to being able to try and see what other uh, prospective uh, <clears throat> opportunities can come out of the back of it as well. Uh, Colin, let's um, let's look forward to Sunday, uh, to Saturday. Even uh, getting last Sunday out of our minds, I think I've just about kind of calmed down from it. Um, a really poor show, I think, uh, uh, Hamilton Aki's. Um, we've got the opportunity to be able to go out and and rectify that against Kilmarnock. Uh, Celtic appear to be hitting a bit of form. However, I'm not concerned about our pros, uh, uh, prospective chances for winning the league. Um, what I am worried about is that I want us to be able to try and put a really strong concerted performance because uh, Anderlecht are around the corner. Um, I don't believe that it's Antwerp a free, as well. Uh, Antwerp, sorry, not uh, yes, very true. <laughs> yes, Antwerp around the corner. We're not taking on two teams. We can only play one at the moment, and it's looking as if that will have to be rearranged because of all this COVID nonsense. But uh, with Antwerp around the corner and. Also, the fact that we want to be able to try and really step up our game with it, because I'm not convinced Antwerp are a free hit. I think that we can beat them, but I think that we've got some more gears to find to be able to try and move up on that. I think that Kilmarnock and Saturday is a perfect opportunity to do so. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good way of putting it, because we we smashed the group stages of the Europa League, but we smashed it when we were playing our best football week in, week out domestically as well. Um, we haven't been as decisive we haven't been as free as free flowing we haven't scored as many goals in the the last 12 games or so as we did in the first 18 so we need to get that form back and get ourselves going or else we are going to really appreciate the jumping class from playing your likes of Kamarnock your likes of Dundee United with playing Antwerp it will be a, a bit of a jump and if you're not at those levels already it'll make it all the harder um, we need to beat Kilmarnock. We want to get this league going done with as early as possible, can we? Because we can then fully concentrate on these games against Antwerp and other teams, hopefully later in the competition, and have a real unprecedented run at this without the real com- concern of the league in the background. Um, we've always had to think domestically and think about the team that can play on the Thursday night and then protect people for the Sunday, etc. We could potentially get ourselves in a position where the Thursday games become the priority if we get through Antwerp, and that's a... A really exciting prospect for me. Um, I don't think we're going to win the Europa League or anything, but I think it puts us in a position where anything can happen and it'll be interesting for sure. But first things first is Kilmarnock. They're sitting, what, 10th in the league? Um, four clear to Hamilton, I think, but Hamilton have got two games in hand. So Kilmarnock are in a mess. Obviously, they've just lost their manager. They're not playing well at all. They've not had the new manager bump or the assistant manager bump that you usually see. They've been poor the last two games. And... I think if you're a Kamarnock fan, you would worry a little bit about coming to Ibrox at the weekend, and hopefully that is the case when they come and we do score a good few goals. We're a bit short up top, so we're looking for people to come in and impress and show why they're coming in and hopefully try to take a claim to stay there. Yeah, we're probably about maybe one or two suspensions slash injuries away for you and I getting a game up top for Rangers at the moment. 
there is obviously no. Hopefully, Kamarnock are hard tacklers then, Cammy. <laughs> yeah, there is, there is no uh, Alfredo Morelos, there is no Kamar Roof, so it will be Cedric Hitton that will start up top. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit kind of on the fence in terms of where I thought that said that Ted did uh, his best work in, on, on Sunday last week, Colin. I think that he's one of these guys, we need to be able to provide him service, right? So I, I don't want to say that he played poorly or he, you know, it, it, it did work for him because see, in actual fact, he, he didn't have a great degree of service been able to try and come into him to show us what he can do with it. But at that point as well, we've got the best fullbacks, certainly in Scotland, arguably within the UK, who should be able to give him decent levels of service. Uh, we've got creativity through the midfield. I, I don't think that we'll see Bengani Zungu start again. I think he'll go back to the kind of tried and trusted what well, Stephen Davis or, or Ryan Jack. Um, but yeah, we'll need to get goals. And I think, you know, everyone's going to have to have a message of this is about being able to go out. It's not an empty the tank scenario. Of course it's not. We're not in a kind of desperate kind of stage with that as well. But I think the fans want a response. And we've not had too many fantastic performances this year. We've had some great results, but I think some of the performances for large periods of some of the games have maybe let us down a little bit. Um, and I think that we could do with one similar to how we, we had against Hibs, which is probably for me our best performance of the year thus far. Um, we could do with another one of them on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, we definitely should. So obviously the manager has his talk at the start. The captain has his chat with the players. And then give, give Alan McGregor two minutes as well, please and um, let him get them G'd up for this and ready to go because we saw at the weekend how angry he was with the performance um, against Hamilton and hopefully that carries forward into this game and the players do make a better showing of themselves and they do get what we want to see which is what we should see at home against Kilmarnock a good few goals and a good performance um, I'm not going to complain about anything we've done this season domestically can we? we're unbeaten We've came through difficult patches. We've got over the line in games where we have struggled form-wise. We've managed to pretty much do what we need to do all the time. We are at a league position nobody could have dreamed of. So I wasn't as angry at the weekend as you were. Um, I was quite not blasé about it, but at the end of the game, I just went, oh, well, it's it's cool. It really doesn't matter. This league's sewn up already anyway. And I kind of moved on from it quite quickly, whereas I know you and a couple of our guys were more upset. Um I don't want to be in a position where I'm being blasé about the game and thinking, okay, it doesn't really matter, it doesn't matter. I want us to blow these teams away. I want us to really show that we've won this league on our own merit this season. And it's because of how well we've played and not because of how bad MDLs has or any catastrophes any other teams are having because that's how we started the season. It's how we've been for a long, long time, but we have tailed off a little bit performance-wise and we're still getting the results. I want us to be that team that everybody's talking about how good we are and teams are scared to come and play us and we literally just play them off the park like we're doing early doors because that's how I want to finish this season because it's how we started it. Yeah, and do you know what? There's probably a lot of, a lot of uh, I think, uh, people out there who are willing to take pops at us and I think that that's what's really, really important in terms of um, how we answer that and how we respond to that when... We know that we've got folk who want to be able to try and chip away at us and, and, and derail the title run. And listen, you're absolutely right. You know, I'm very confident that we'll continue to win the league. We uh, we only need 16 points to be able to get us across the line. So, you know, it's definitely within uh, within reach. Um, what I'd like to be able to try and do is say it as a bit of a statement to those people who want to hurt us or Celtic feeling as if they'll get a degree of momentum to turn on and go, Listen, do you know what? We don't care what you do. It's about us. We will win the league on our own merit. We will win the league because we've been exceptional um, across 
the vast majority of the season. I think it's going to be very, very interesting to see as to how we reincorporate Europe uh, back into how we um, how we do our kind of resource management, our game management, etc. Um, because again, it's a good boost for the players. We know that they've spoken beforehand about times of it's um, it's a different kind of pressure um, and how to be able to try and enjoy that. Tav, when we were talking about the uh, the webinar he had on it, you know, he was saying some of the best atmospheres are the European games, which he's totally right. And you know, we we would have some brilliant nights at Ibrox. It's one of the big pieces of heartbreak about not having fans in the stadium um, at the moment. But you're absolutely right. It's about us being able to try and go out there. Um, as I always like to be able to try and do as uh, put my guests on the spot. So um, give me a score prediction. And if you think we'll score any goals, who do you think the goal scorers will be? Okay. I'll give you a clue. I'll give you a clue. You're not allowed to say. Alfredo Morelos, <laughs> you're not allowed to say Kamar Roof um, and probably not Jermaine Defoe because I'm fairly sure he won't be back in time for it. Okay, that narrows it down a little bit. I was one goal out last time my prediction, so I'm going to stick with it again. I'm going to say 4-0 on Saturday. Um, Tav hasn't scored in ages. He has to score this weekend, so Tav will get a goal. Um, I think Ryan Jack will score. I think Ryan Kennett will score and Hadji will score. There you go, put that on at the bookies and make yourself a fortune. There you go, yeah, absolutely, I like it. Uh, very, very confident. Um, just before we finish up, folks, um, now normally any regular listeners will know that I always like to make sure that you get an opportunity to check out our Patreon site, which is at patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. Um, one thing I think is really important that you all know that we do a great deal of work to be able to try and put money back into the club and how we work alongside the club to be able to make sure that we give uh, you know, the promotion of events, how we like to be able to try and, and, and reincorporate uh, investment back into the club and how we do that. And I'm very, very proud to say and, and announce that we are going to be sponsoring uh, the game against Dundee United um, on the 21st of February on Sunday. Um we have already been fortunate enough to sponsor the game. It was uh, St Mirren last year, uh, which we sponsored uh, the games. And, and I know that the, the patrons had a had a real probably feeling of, of, of pride and ownership in terms of being able to see our logo up there. Um, some wonderful mentions, Colin, that I know that you'll remember from um, friends of the show, Kevin Thompson and Clive Tildesley, both of whom have been our guests, uh, both on shows and also in, in uh, live shows as well. Um, but yeah, wonderful that we'll uh, get another opportunity to to repay some uh, some of that back to the club. And I think just absolutely fantastic for us to uh, continue to to help sponsor games and, and do that in the current climate. Obviously, with sponsorships, it's a lot different to how it normally would be. Um, but again, this goes alongside the other um, initiatives that we've had in terms of player sponsorship, etc. as well. Um, incredibly proud uh, to see that we'll be doing that again against Dundee United. Yeah, definitely. Delighted that we were able to announce that tonight. It was a, a real proud moment for all of us. In the Spurring game, when the match started and that logo popped up on the screen, it was the the first RTV season ticket game um, of the season. So nobody had ever really seen the the match day sponsor stuff before and it was such a novelty to see our our badge go up the same way as when we see it on the screens at the games for this, this player sponsorship. It's just amazing. And here hearing KT and Clive mention heart and hand and joke that they've both been on it, it was a bit surreal to be honest. And it's just amazing we're getting a chance to do it again. And doesn't matter how many times you see that logo in different places, doesn't it? You just get excited about it. I saw it in the New Rangers app that came out today, and it's just great seeing it there. It's a fantastic thing to do, and it's an important thing as well. I love that we do sponsorship with terms of the players, we sponsor the women players as well, and we've also got now two match sponsorships. It's great that we're in a position not only to 
provide content and build a community, but also bring positive stuff into the club, not just through sponsorship and stuff like that, through the live shows and the stuff that we hold in the stadium and everything else. That's what it's all about, and it's such a proud, proud thing for me to be such a small part of, but still be involved in something that can do that. It's it's wonderful, really, really good stuff, and it wouldn't happen without all the listeners and the patrons that subscribe for one ninety nine a month or however much they pay. That's how we're able to do this. It's not me and you talking down a microphone. It's the the guys that take their time out and listen. So thanks to them as well. Yeah, but mostly you know us the podders. I mean, yeah, the listeners are nice in that, and you know they they. they fork over their hard-end dough and stuff as well but mostly it's you and I talking shit I mean let's face it that's kind of what it's there for you know oh yeah I mean your box office let's be honest but, um, yeah yeah that's it not that, not that guy Edgar do you know I mean uh, the fans uh, chief that, that prick that goes to games no yeah no exactly that guy still still allowed to get in we joke <laughs> of course we joke of course no but listen you're, you're 100% right we want to make sure that again like you say all the listeners um, get that really um, fuzzy feeling of pride when they, when they see the logo being able to get into there because if they weren't part of it, we wouldn't be here. It's that simple. So please jump over to patreon.com forward slash heart hand if you would like to find out a bit more about us. We have up to five shows a day. Um, and as Colin just mentioned it as well, we've got live reporting um, from Ibrox uh, directly from David who can give us um, some of the background information that maybe we might not be privy to from when we're watching the games on the TV. Um, and we've got loads and loads and loads of content that comes out every single day for you. Please come over and join us because we can also guarantee that if you come over and join, you will not leave. So try us out. Uh, all it's left me to do is to thank our executive producers in London, Mr Mike Lee, Mr Paul Myers, um, and most importantly, thank you to my guest, Mr Colin McMillan. Colin, always a pleasure to talk to you, and, uh, and thank you for coming on and, and sharing a, a tough a tough show, but I think one that's that's uh, managed to kind of cover everything pretty well. Yeah, always good to talk to you, Cammy. Um, last time I was on the show with you, um, my dad gave me into trouble for saying the word pish, and I've just realised I said prick earlier, so sorry, Dad. And pish again, so dad's not going to yeah, be happy. Doubly bad, yeah. Whoops. Oh well, yes, you'll be uh, you'll be banned from coming back on, right? Okay, right. Well, listen, folks, thanks so much. Have a great rest of your week. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Let's get three points uh, at Ibrox on Saturday, uh, and then, as I say, on to Europe next week. It'll be really exciting. David will be back with you for the flagship on Monday, and I'll be back with you next Friday uh, following our return to Europe. Thanks so much. Speak soon. Podcast Network.